Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast with me, your host, Mark Decano, a man who has seen the best and brightest of both established comedians and desperate wannabe newbies. And in all cases, without prejudice, I ask the same questions. Is this person funny? Do they put on a good show? And how am I going to get home? I love talking to comedians about comedy, and if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode is a writer, actor, voiceoverer, and stand-up comedian. She continues to play shows and festivals all over the world, and is described by the comedy press variously as original, likeable, self-assured, and terrifically funny. Stand-up comedian, Stella Graham. Hi. Hello. We could just dive right in if you're happy. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. What was comedy like when you were growing up? <laughs> uh, it was something that I would watch um, on holiday mostly because I grew up in Coventry and there wasn't like a local comedy club there. So yeah. when I was old enough to go to clubs, the nearest places were Birmingham and Leicester Jonglers. Mm-hmm. But I do remember as a family when we would go on family holidays and stuff, if there was ever a comedian on, I used to enjoy watching them and just seeing the place fall about. It was something that always I don't know I was always drawn to it I think and in the house yeah. I remember years ago we quite liked Jasper Carrot he was a, a big hit I seem to remember a Lily Savage video that we <laughs> cracked up at and then as I got a little bit older someone introduced me to uh, one of Peter Kay's DVDs and I remember watching yeah. Live at the Bolton Albert Halls years ago and thinking oh my god it felt like he grew up in our house like a lot of the things he talked about I just it was so accurate, the observations, everything he said about, you know, the, the hobnobs and the, the rich tea biscuits. And I was like, I could have sworn my mum was the only mum I knew that bought rich tea biscuits. Like all my friends had like jammy dodgers and jaffa cakes and stuff like that. Or when he said, when someone phones and your dad's like, pen, pen, I can't find, I'm going to buy a box of pens and put them next to this phone. And I, I nearly spat my drink out because my dad used to say that all the time. So I was like, oh my God. So I think those are some early ones I remember. I know my brother really liked Lee Evans. I think he had a couple of his videotapes. God, that's going to date this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy. I remember we watched a yeah. bit of him growing up. So, yeah, always enjoyed comedy. Yeah. How long was it, do you think, before you sort of saw comedy as something that might be a career for you? Oh, wow. I mean, I didn't think of it as a career once I started because I didn't think – I had no idea – could you earn money doing this? Was it enough? Would you get by? So it took a while, I think, because mm. when you first start out, you don't earn anything. And then the first time you get money for a gig, I think I hosted, it was a band night and they asked if I'd MC it. And I was living in New Zealand at the time. Mm. And after the gig, the guy just handed me an envelope with $50 in and I felt like I'd won the lottery. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my <laughs> God, I just, and they're going to give me money. This is amazing. But then I don't know. It took it took a while, I guess, of sort of seeing the level of progression and of where it could go. Because yeah. certainly in the beginning, it really is like pocket money. So yeah, it took it took a good few years, I think. Yeah. How long were you in New Zealand for? Five years. And how did you find New Zealand humour or New Zealand audiences compared to English audiences? <laughs> so, because I had never done stand up in the UK before that, mm. New Zealand was like my first experience of of doing stand up. So. Yeah. I would say in the very beginning, it used to shock me at times, some of the jokes that I would hear, like some of the stuff they would say about things like Asian drivers, because I was coming from <laughs> okay. the UK and I was like, oh my God, you'd never hear that. Even on TV, they had a TV panel show 
called Seven Days. I think it's still running. And I'd hear jokes on there about that. And I'd just be like, you'd never say that back home. That's It felt like something from years ago. Like it felt like a little bit dated <laughs> in some ways. But then for the most part, I'd say a lot of stuff. They had a good sense of humor. I'd say Kiwis were quite a laid back bunch. But right. certainly you could go down to the club and see, you know, the, the top acts just tear the roof off. And it was it was great fun to watch. So I'd say fairly similar to 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 British with some stuff that felt like it was fresh from the 70s. I don't know. <laughs> just some stuff that was like, to my ears, certainly felt a, a few years behind where the UK was. Right. Um, mm. They weren't so PC. Maybe it's yeah. different now. I haven't been there for years, but um, it, yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and you, um, you were part of the uh, the Comedy Hangover podcast. Uh, that was UK comics in New Zealand, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So I, before I did stand up, I did radio, yeah. yes. and I had access to radio studios. And at the time, this was before like everybody had podcasts. This was a long time ago, mm. and my fella, he's in radio he was into podcasts and he was like you guys should, should do a podcast because once I started doing stand-up my interest shifted 100% to that and radio yeah. felt less interesting so me and two of my friends that I met in the in New Zealand they're both from the UK it was a guy called Reuben and mm-hmm. another lad called Danny uh, they're from Barnsley and Liverpool and we just used to get together I mean <laughs> this is like Years ago, so we didn't even really know what we were doing, but it had a structure to it. Like we had segments of the of the show, but it literally was. Mm. We would go into one of the empty studios at the radio station on like a Sunday or something, and mm. the boys would bring a twelve pack of Heineken, and I'd bring a six pack of cider, and we just used to sit there and talk. And and the thing is, we'd record the whole thing, but further into the episode, like the more drunk we got, <laughs> the more slurry it would become. So I'd be like, "All right, boys, we've got to land this." So then we'd get the audio. It was so much fun to record. And then I would be, this is really bad, but I'd be at work the next day listening to the <laughs> audio, just cracking up, just howling, being like, that's unbroadcastable. We've got to cut that. <laughs> just trying to make it into what we could. And then I'd send the edits over to Tom, who's my uh, fellow, and he'd cut it up for us and make it sound good because he's a radio producer. That's what he does. Um, and yeah, I loved it. It was It was really good fun. And I wish we'd kept it up, but... At the time, um, one of the guys, Danny, moved back to the UK. So it was sort mm. of like, well, it's not going to sustain now the time zones. And we didn't really have things like Zoom at that time. But um, no, it was it was really good fun. I think I think it was around about like 2010. So it was like well ahead of the of the podcast boom. So I kind of wish yeah. we'd stuck with it. <laughs> when you started doing stand up and obviously you said your focus shifted to that. Was there anything that surprised you about it? Mm, I suppose because it was all new everything mm. was a surprise like I didn't know when I started I I literally knew nothing like I went along <laughs> to the club I, yeah. I started by going along I think I was on a date and it was um it was like what is there to do in Auckland on a Monday is there a comedy club and we found one went along mm. and just saw like 10 rookies getting up for the first time and and <laughs> the standard god bless them because we're all terrible in the beginning um it wasn't amazing <laughs> and it certainly felt attainable so I was like right I think I think I can do this but there was I didn't do a course so I wasn't right. really taught anything I sort of learned the long way around and just mm-hmm. got up and did it and then I bought a book and started to piece things together but I didn't really understand I knew like the basics of joke structure, but not right. any great detail of it. And I didn't 
know anything of the UK scene, things like the Edinburgh Fringe. All the terminology was sort of new to me about what's an open spot, you know. <laughs> this was all new language to me. I didn't know I didn't know what that was. I didn't really factor in the travel because in New Zealand at that time there was only one comedy club in the whole country. Oh, wow. So that was just and that was my local <laughs> club. I lived in Auckland and it wasn't far away. So couple that with moving back to the UK and then suddenly driving to Plymouth on a Wednesday night, to, to, you know, it's, it's quite different. So I think I didn't factor in the late nights, the driving home, yeah. the, the travel chaos and sort of how the progression goes. And I suppose often being the only girl in the green room for a long time, mm. there wasn't so many girls around. I know that's getting better now. Um, so yeah, there are there are a couple, a few a few things that I just had no idea about. Yeah. So when you when you went out on stage for the first time, yeah. what what was going through your mind? Oh my god, my ass! I think it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that day I'd been building up to it because I contacted the club and I said, "Hey, is there like a course or anything?" And they were like, "No, you learn the hard way up there on your feet." So I'm like, "Right, I didn't didn't have any clue how to structure a set. I knew nothing." I knew roughly my way around a microphone because my sister was in bands and stuff when I was growing right. up. So I knew like that part I wasn't worried about, but I literally hadn't been on a stage since like the school nativity play. So <laughs> I remember um, it was a Monday, I was at work and I was in the bathroom pacing up and down trying to remember the set because the thing I was most paranoid about was forgetting because yeah. I thought I just do not trust my memory. I know I'm going to blank out on stage. And I thought, well, as long as I just remember, I don't think I even wrote it on my hand. Um, see, you see a lot of new acts will do that, but write notes on their hands. I didn't know to do that. So <laughs> I just tried to get it down as well as I could. And I like, I dressed up as well. Like, <laughs> like wore a nice outfit, did my hair. Oh, you're on stage. Isn't that what you're meant to do? It's that level of like, yeah. you know, cluelessness. And then I remember I didn't want anyone to see my first gig. So I said to Tom, don't come because if I bomb I'll die like I will be mortified <laughs> I said don't tell anyone I just want to do this on the quiet and just see how it goes in yeah. front of strangers because friends will laugh but yeah. I wanted to know if strangers found, found me funny so then I remember in the lead up to me doing it we went and watched at the club a few times yeah and we brought some friends along to come it's like hey it's Monday it was about five dollars to get in it was nothing back then it was really yeah. cheap or whatever the hell it was it was it was a cheap night out yeah maybe it was 10 but about five I can't remember and on the day of the gig so Tom knows I'm doing it no one else does yeah I went to the club and then Tom texted me and he said by the way I've just had a message from our mutual friend Alistair who'd come with us mm -hmm. before he said do you want to come to the comedy tonight? We're going to go. And I was like, oh no, this was like my worst nightmare unfolding. Like there would be witnesses to my first gig and I couldn't bear it. Oh Christ. So I'm backstage just trying to drill. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget into my head. And then when they finally called my name, the, 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 the classic is the name of the club in Auckland and it's a great club. The green room is sort of behind and upstairs. So you have to walk down the stairs to come to the stage. And I remember taking the steps and my heart was pounding, like really like <laughs> racing. And I walked out and the spotlight was the first thing that struck me. It was so bright. I was like, oh, so I, I walked my way to the mic and I remember like, I'm so in my head. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget that I can't, I can't like the lights in your eyes. You can't see a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just start to do my thing. And then partway through, my mouth dried up. Like, I got the world's <laughs> worst case of cotton mouth. I, I, and then I got 
some warmth and my mouth will get dry. <laughs> so another act came and like gave me a pint of water and I, I um, took a swig of it and then I made a joke off the back of it, um, which got a laugh. It's a, <laughs> it's a really crass joke about drying up and being a virgin or something like that. <laughs> it got a laugh and then I was able to continue. But all I remember is um, being in the light and not really being able to see the crowd, but all I could see was front and center audience. They yeah. were the only ones that were kind of partially lit by the light. And sitting there front and center was Alistair and <laughs> friends right there, front and center, witnessing my first gig. And I thought, oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and because I was so in my head trying to remember the lines, you know that sound you get when you pick up a seashell and you put it to your ear? Yeah, yeah. It was like that, <laughs> that kind of... <sighs> so, like, I'm blinded in the light, so I've got this... <sighs> My mouth's going dry, but I got through it. And I remember coming off stage and walking through the club to get to the bar. And there were a couple of ladies, middle-aged, whatever. And they were like, oh, you were really good. And I remember thinking, was I? I don't even know what just happened. But it meant a lot that they said that. Yeah. Because I think I was so unsure of how it had gone. And then mm-hmm. the club emailed and said, hey, Stella, we'd love to have you back. And little things like that makes such a difference yeah. because I was just so unsure. I was like, did that did that go well? I had no idea. So they invited me back, which I think to this day I still am grateful for. Hmm. And I did the second gig, kind of similar. Third time I did it, I was like, right, I'm going to try this one more time and see if I like it. Third time, <laughs> I could hear them laugh and I yeah. could see people in the crowd. And I had a really nice gig. And that was it. I was well and truly hooked after that. Absolutely loved it. I remember like audience coming up and chatting to me in the bar after, and they're yeah. like, come out, come out with us. I'm thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, that hasn't happened since, actually. <laughs> 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 I was sold on a false promise. <laughs> I was going to ask, what's what's the vibe like after the show? Are you, are you like riding high? Do you get people come up? Do you get people criticizing? I'd say not often. Like mm-hmm. the, the worst things that tend to happen is if you've had a tough one, yeah, someone might come up to you and go, "You're brave," you know, yeah. or they'll go, "Oh, that was that was hard, wasn't it?" Mm. Do you enjoy it? You know, they'll like, ask questions, <laughs> and like nobody's more aware of how badly a gig is going than the act that's on stage. So sometimes you'll get that, or mm. someone might come up and try and say, "Oh, you know." Maybe you you should try doing that hasn't happened for like I can't remember. I think people are not so rude, but people will come up and say they enjoyed it. I, I've had audience members come up and hug me. It's really funny. <laughs> like sometimes, um, mostly women, but it's quite nice. They're like, ah, oh, you were, and they just like give you a hug, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is nice. Maybe they think like I'm their new mate or something. But it's very sweet. I love it when people come up and say they enjoyed it. It's really really nice um, because if you're coming off stage thinking oh I missed a bit or yeah. maybe oh was that and then people oh that was great and you just think oh that's nice that is nice so yeah. yeah people do people do come up and and say that it's lovely how do you feel about other forms of recognition like reviews or awards are you a competition enterer I've done some competitions I've done I mean years ago because it's mostly when you're a newer act I guess mm. I hated the comps I really did yeah. I used to get so nervous backstage and I just, I, I don't know. I never really felt like I, that was my, that was the best place for me to sort of really thrive. I made the final of something, mm-hmm. Newbury, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I just, the nerves, the nerves. I just, just used to get super, because you know you want to do well. 
Yeah. But then you're up alongside everyone doing their best stuff. And I, I didn't really like the format of it being like a competition so much. Mm. Um, yeah. Reviews can be the highs and lows, I'd say. Like you can have some that just absolutely tear you to shreds and you just feel like <laughs> jumping off a bridge. And then you yeah. get some where it's like, ah, oh, amazing. So-and-so gave me four stars and you're, <laughs> you're really happy about it. So it's quite, um, it's quite yeah. an up and down feeling. Yeah. And how does that translate to your your festival experience? Well, I think going back to the cluelessness of how I started, <laughs> I knew nothing about... When I was growing up, I hadn't even heard of the Edinburgh Fringe because yeah. nobody I knew in Coventry talked about it. I didn't know what it was. I'd heard of the tattoo. I knew what yeah. that was because my mum would put it on the telly. But <laughs> I didn't even know what the Edinburgh Fringe was. So by the time I sort of started doing stand-up in New Zealand one of my friends was moving back to the UK and she said oh I'm gonna go and do the Edinburgh Fringe and I was like oh what's that (laughs) I didn't even know so by the time I came home I'd say I made a a mistake in doing my first hour sooner than I should have because the natural progression I'm sure the listeners will know this but you start with your five minutes work to 10 15 20 half an hour and so on yeah but i made the leap to doing an hour-long solo way sooner than i should have the first year that i did the new zealand festival mm-hmm. i did a split bill there were four acts and we did 15 minutes each yeah. that's that's all right because that's probably all you've got at that point that's good and i <laughs> emceed a show for friends of mine yeah. and that was fine and then the following year it was in my head build up in increments, do 20 minutes or maybe split a half hour show with somebody. Yeah. And my friend said, don't be a, don't be a wuss, essentially. <laughs> Weren't the word she used. Um, and she said, do an hour. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll do that. And it was a stretch. It really was. I mean, I, I had, <laughs> I was trying to fill an hour rather than having so much good stuff. I had to cut it out to make this incredible hour. I was using PowerPoint. I had songs. It was ridiculous. Um, and that show I ended up doing, and then I was moving back to the UK mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, well I've done an hour now. So um, I'd heard about this Edinburgh thing. Why don't I go there? I didn't know about the best newcomer thing in mm-hmm. Edinburgh. Not yep. a clue. I didn't know that many acts will just do like a 40 to 45 minute show so that they're out of the running for this newcomer. Th- I knew none of that. So I totally squandered my first hour in Edinburgh with probably the worst hour I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and it was just cluelessness. I didn't understand the structure of Edinburgh shows, what they were about. I thought you just would be funny for an hour. That was mm. it. Um, and I invited people along and my God, I shouldn't have, um, I got some dreadful, um, heartbreaking reviews actually. It was really like confidence crushing in the beginning. Um, and people who were like, yeah, nah, agents. And it was just, I basically made all the mistakes that you could, I've done them. So yeah, my beginning was calamitous and then. By the time I'd done Edinburgh once, I was like, oh, well, I'm bored of that year, hour. Why don't I go and do it again next year? And as a newer <laughs> act, I just don't think you're equipped to turn over a really good hour in that amount of time. I mean, you look at some of the pros that release specials on Netflix. They need more than a, more than a year to go and write the stuff, road test it, do all of that. And But there's sort of no barrier to entry in Edinburgh. <laughs> so if you yeah. can get a show, you can put one on. So, yeah, that was... 
that wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned about the nerves. Do you still yeah. get nervous before you go on stage? Not so much now. I think I gig mm. so much more now. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, if it was something like a tryout spot for a club that you wanted to be in. Yeah. Or if, it, if there was someone in that's like maybe an agent or a reviewer or something, anything that would tip it from being just like a normal night where there's something riding on it and you think, oh, mm. I hope I don't get a bad review or maybe I'll get a good one. Or yeah, if I do well at this gig, maybe they'll book me. But anything where there was like a little bit of that, probably. Whereas now, I think I've been doing it a, a good while now and my diary's busy yeah. and just you get match fit, you know, like yeah. when you're gigging a lot, it doesn't uh it doesn't feel unusual to just step on a stage anywhere it's like right. oh it's another crowd another mic another crowd so you do get a lot more comfortable i'd probably say sometimes if it's like a big theater or something i might have a little flutter just before i go on but <laughs> it's um compared to what it was i mean no like in the beginning oof, you know, <laughs> there'd be like a bathroom ritual before a gig and that's gone now so <laughs> yeah i'm a lot more comfortable now are you happier um, as an actor or as an MC? Hmm. I like both. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be an act than an MC because yeah. I think it's quite easy to get stuck MCing, mm. and I think it's it's easy once you can once you can MC. Yeah. If there's anyone new listening to this, it's easy to MC. It is once you've been doing it for a while, it really is a doddle, and yeah. if you've got a nice crowd and stuff. But I don't think. If you want to become better as an act, I think it's better to not just MC. I think to do yeah. a set and be an act and do material is mm. what I prefer. But I have a lot of fun when I MC as well. So sometimes things happen in the room yeah. and you just get to mess about. But I think in terms of developing and becoming a better comedian in the long term, I think it's better to do spots, do an opening set or a middle or whatever. That said, I, I did MC a gig last night and some of the stuff, the crowd were nuts. Some of the things you hear are really fun. So it's 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 a lot of fun to MC, but I think long long term career wise, I think it's best not to only do that. Certainly for me. Yeah. I do like being part of a, a mixed bill with other comics. <laughs> I think I always enjoy mixed bills because I yeah. think it's it's nice to be part of a lineup and see what the other acts are doing and stuff. Yeah. But then when you have your own solo, you can sort of really relax into it a bit. Like sometimes when you're part of a bill, it's like, right, you've got 10 minutes or you've got 20 minutes and you're keeping an eye on the time. Whereas with an hour, you get on, it's like, cool, we've got a bit of time now. And this this time is yours. Whereas you're not like coming to the end of a joke and trying to like steal a glance. Oh, have I got enough time to do this bit or whatever? So I do, I do enjoy both. I like yeah. Like I just came back from the Perth Fringe in Australia and I did yeah. a lot of lineups there and that was so much fun. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it is nice. Yeah. Is that part of your Edinburgh as well when you know when you're doing your hour that you jump on all the mixed bills as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think I see Edinburgh as like a boot camp. So it's not just doing your own solo. You <laughs> do have opportunities to jump up everywhere and it's just you are in the gym you're just gigging <laughs> several times a day and your match fitness goes through the roof because again what i was saying before about the frequency of being on stage you can do yeah. several gigs a day every day for like three and a bit weeks mm. so it's really good for that and it can be 
a lunchtime show to a bunch of sober people who've just digested brunch and are still trying to figure out what they want to do that day and be sitting there with their arms folded to (laughs) a late show where people are hammered. So you're getting quite a difference. You can have Friday, Saturday nights where it's mental or you could have like a wet Tuesday with people in rain jackets sitting there uninterested, fed up because it's like their third show of the day and they're going to see seven shows that day. So you're exposed to lots of different audiences and age ranges as well. Like the weekends, I'd say you get a bit more of a a younger crowd in and like the the people who are getting on it, whereas midweek you might get people who can afford to be in Edinburgh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, some people, maybe they're retired or, or what and, it's a different atmosphere. So I like the the range of, of people that you get to see. I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, and then if you do well at those lineups and people enjoy what they saw, you can give them a flyer on the way out and say, well, if you enjoyed that, come and see my solo. Yeah. And if you've done really well at a lineup, stay and give out flyers because they're like, we want to see more of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know, obviously, you've just said that you're running around doing as much as you can, but do you go and watch other comedians as well? Are you a, are you a good Always. audience member? <laughs> Am I a good audience member? I <laughs> I don't, like, always laugh out loud at stuff. Yeah. And if I'm at a gig, sometimes I will just be watching, and I'm like, oh, idiot, <laughs> you're in the crowd. Like, <laughs> you, need, <laughs> yeah. you need to, you know, let them know that it's, it's going well. I mean, if something does really tickle me, yeah. then I will absolutely laugh. But I think sometimes you can watch so much yeah. after a while, you kind of go, uh-huh. It depends on like the atmosphere in the room as well. Like if it's yeah. a, if it's a fun room and I'm having a good time or if it's, if I'm seeing someone new that I haven't seen before and they've got like a really good bit that I haven't heard or they mm. do something that surprises me. Cause one of the things I find, and I'm sure other comics will find this is that when you do stand up, and you hear someone start a joke, you're already guessing ahead. Yeah. You're like, I think I know where you're going to go with this. And if I guess where it's going, I'm not going to laugh. But if they catch me off guard or they say something, then then yeah. So I do like to watch, absolutely. Am I good? Uh, I try to be, but sometimes, yeah, I should hide at the back so they don't just see me stony-faced going, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I'd say if you are, I mean, I do have a resting bitch face and I'd say if you are that person, <laughs> don't sit in the front row. I try and avoid it myself because I'm like, I'm not, you know, I don't have that <laughs> gleeful 60 minute face that you're going to want during a show if you're doing if you're doing an hour. But if if you're an act and I I know you and you're like, oh, I've got people in on a, on a Tuesday and numbers are low. I'll come. I'll come. And I'll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help the laughs along. I'll play along. Yeah. How much of you? I know you've studied acting as well, and obviously improv. But how how much of you is on stage? How much of it is a character? I'd say most of it is me, but there's a version of you. Let's say. Yeah. Like, I can't be stage Stella all of the time. <laughs> like off stage, I'm probably a bit quieter, um, because I think it takes it takes a different kind of energy. Mm. I guess. And I think I'd be really annoying if I was <laughs> stage seller off stage all the time. So I think it's, it is a part of you, but it's probably a part of you that people don't see all the time. Maybe it's the you that's with your friends that's having a good time and having a laugh, yeah. but there's an extra bit because hmm. you are doing something different. You are speaking to a room full of people. There is, there is a difference to it, but yeah. I'd say it's, um, it is mostly 
elements of me mm. and just not all the other crap that comes with it. <laughs> <laughs> the bits that would be entertaining to a crowd and then just, you know, not the rest. <laughs> so 2020 then? Yep. How did that affect your your comedy, your approach, your career when venues shut down? Oh, right. Okay. So what was going on then? Mm. I think I had just done the Leicester Comedy Festival. Yes. So that was quite nice. I'd been able to play to like a normal, you know. And then we were into March, weren't we? I remember I was I was doing some improv classes during the day mm-hmm. and I just started the level four and they were like, I don't know if we're going to be back here tomorrow. <laughs> and I think, was it not St. Patrick's Day when it all went into lockdown? I think it was mm. um, sort of around now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <As we laughs> recorded, around this time of year, three years ago. So then it was like, oh, what do we do now? And I think because it was all so new and Zoom gigs were new, I remember thinking, all right, I'll check out one of these Zoom gigs. And I jumped in. And at the beginning of Zoom gigs, they were dreadful. And (laughs) I remember just being in a room full of other comics and no audience and thinking, oh, no, I'm going to hate this. And just hearing other comics (laughs) tell jokes to silence, I was like, I'm not up for this. So I stayed out of that for a while and then – just worked on what I could craft-wise with yeah. writing and performance. And then it was like, oh, these Zoom gigs are going to be around for a bit. This whole lockdown thing is going to take a while. So I did some, quickly learned which ones were good and which weren't and what made a good Zoom gig and what didn't. Yeah. Things like <laughs> muting some of the audience because yeah. it was so new. People didn't really know what to do. Yeah. And as a comic, a Zoom gig could have been your worst nightmare because in a normal gig, only the comedian has a mic but in a zoom gig all of the audience (laughs) has a mic so having people just forget that their mic is live and oh dave give me a beer and like (laughs) cool (laughs) we all heard that um and then eventually you know people started to learn how to manage that and and mute sections but then some people would mute everybody and that was awful because it's like, this is just <laughs> silence. So I think they hit the sweet spot with unmuting some of the crowd mm. and spotlighting the acts and stuff like that. And some of them were great fun. Like in 2021, I did mm-hmm. an hour long show at Leicester Comedy Festival on Zoom. Yep. Beginning of the pandemic, that would have been unthinkable because yeah. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way I'm doing it. But I did enough Zoom gigs by then that I learned there were things you could do on screen with the camera. You could use the frame mm. to, to use certain bits. So it was like learning another skill. Um, so that was fun. I think a lot of us did things. I started filming stuff at home. I set up a camera, got a ring light and um, a lav mic. Mm-hmm. and started filming angry workouts mm-hmm. i later did a podcast so it was it was finding ways to channel our attention seeking habits yeah. <laughs> into other mediums but i didn't mind like some of the zoom gigs in the end i mean by by the time christmas came i was doing corporates mm-hmm. and you could do christmas corporate gigs from your house and you could do two or three in a day and i was yeah. like this is amazing <laughs> i was gigging in my slippers and then by the end of like gig three, close the laptop and I'm home. So <laughs> by the end, like some of them, some of them were really good. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the festive season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I liked suddenly having all this time by not having to travel everywhere. So yeah. I quite enjoyed it. Do you like the travel aspect of it? I like 
I went to Perth yeah. and I loved that. I mean, getting to go to Australia, especially after we've not been able to travel for a few years, yeah. was so fun. I got to stay with someone that I met in Auckland and lived with mm-hmm. years ago. I went and did all these shows in, in a city I'd never gigged in before. And there's a nice sort of hangout environment as well with the other comics who were, who were there. Yeah, Like often when you're home and you travel, if you get on a train or you drive somewhere, yeah. You finish the gig and depending on where you live, certainly for me anyway, I'm always like, ah, I got to get back because of the last train or I got to drive because it's a long ass drive home. So I don't always get to hang out with the acts afterwards. Whereas mm. in Perth, I was like, ah, oh, I'm, I, I'm staying here. We can hang out for a bit. So it was nice yeah. getting to spend a bit of time with acts afterwards. I enjoyed on the way home, I went to Singapore Mm-hmm. and did some shows there and I, I love being able to do stand-up and travel they're like my two favorite things yeah. so doing that I, I do really enjoy that side of it I'm going to Amsterdam this month next month I'm going to do some gigs in Sweden and Norway and I just love the fact that I get to be around somewhere new in the daytime mm-hmm. and then go and do shows I absolutely love that the domestic side of travel I'd say I am on trains a lot and I do drive a lot and I don't mind it if I'm moving. <laughs> it's the delays <laughs> where, you know, if you're flying along and then suddenly all the brake lights come on, hazards go on, you think, oh, my God, am I going to get to this gig on time or yeah. what time am I going to get home? Driving home late from gigs is less fun, I'd say, especially if you hit roadworks and diversions. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple of nightmarish journeys home where I've been trying to get back and I've hit diversion signs. And then suddenly I'm God knows where, and then there's no more diversion signs. And now <laughs> I don't know where I am. And if you've, if you've got any sort of sat nav ways, Google maps, it will yeah. just direct you back to the route. Cause it doesn't know yeah. about these roadworks. <laughs> and like, I've actually had to phone highways England and say, look, I am so stuck. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm somewhere. I think once I got, it was somewhere on the way back from Plymouth and it was like <laughs> a roads that I don't know. Or once was on the way back from Norwich and I just had this horrendous, and they're very nice, by the way, if you talk to them. (laughs) This lady, she was like, I'll stay on the phone with you and we'll work it out together. (laughs) She managed to figure out where I was, talked to her colleague and they're like, okay, so these are some roadworks we didn't know about. But if you go this way, this way, this way, and they like guided me home. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I think when you're tired and you're driving and it's like this diversion do I need to get fuel now? Like, how long is this going to take? Fuel's <laughs> expensive. So if if the journey home doesn't run smoothly, I'm I really hate that. Yeah. But um, if you just manage to get home and everything's fine, it's it's great. But of course, roadworks happen at night and stuff like yeah. that. So that that part of it, I don't enjoy. Uh, you mentioned about the podcast that you started um, with the lockdowns. Tell me about mm-hmm. it. So tell me about it. Tell me about it. Now this was a fun little thing that. It was me interviewing people, trying to learn stuff because everybody knows something, right? So, <laughs> and I managed to, I interviewed like, um, there's a Michelin chef on there, Paul Foster. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed an MP. Um, I interviewed several comics, mm-hmm. people who, um, there's like one of them, there's a doctor. Um, it was just a really fun thing to do to just ask people stuff because, I mean, it's, it's a fun way to learn, isn't it? You can yeah. you can read all you want, but talking to people yeah. and having them tell you stuff about their experience is great. So I did I did really <laughs> enjoy doing that. I just think that once gigs opened up again and stuff, yeah, it sort of 
went on the slide while I was busy out and about. I, I would like to to bring it back, <laughs> but it's just finding time to fit in everything now. The travel does eat into a lot of that time, to be fair. Yeah. So what's been then so far your best moment? Mm, best moment. And you know we're going to ask worst moment as well. So for me, <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's, there's a couple of things that stand out in my memory. I think the first time I played a big venue, yeah, and that was in New Zealand, it was at the um, – it's called the Pacific Event Center. A friend of mine ran the it's um <laughs> the World Cyber Games. If you're not familiar, <laughs> it's sort of described as like the Olympics of computer gaming. And the New Zealand qualifier was being held in Auckland. There were 750 people at the event, I think. And they said, look, they're playing games all day. They might want to come to a comedy night in the evening. Can you put on a night? So I just curated an evening of me and my friends. Yeah. And we went and we were in this massive theatre. And I think it was one of those moments when you go from being a newer act mm-hmm. to, you know, some nights. I, I know I said I only gigged at that club in Auckland. I did set up a night of my own at a small bar called Snatch because with a name like Snatch, <laughs> they're obviously going to want a comedy night. And it was small. Yeah. So to go from just playing, I think I did a gig in like a coffee shop. You know, you play these little venues to so suddenly stepping out in a theatre yeah. in this huge room. I think I think the place held about 750. There weren't that many in the crowd. We didn't fill it. There's probably a third of that or something. But suddenly it felt like a real, oh, wow, moment yeah. of like being backstage in a big theatre and stepping out and having fun with friends and knowing my friends could go up and just having a real, real giggle and thinking, yeah. wow, this this feels like a real big step up. I do enjoy a good theatre gig, actually. I think... They can they can be a bit hit and miss, but uh, you've got so much room on these big stages. Yeah. Um. So that's probably a highlight. I think feeling after having done my first Edinburgh, even though I didn't love the show, I think the first show went all right. <laughs> and the feeling of it's another milestone. You know, yeah. I think the first show I did in America was nice. I did mm-hmm. a spot at the Comedy Store in LA, and yeah. just had a really really fun time. So there's a few a few nice highlights along the way. Yeah. It's all about the downside. I mean, people love the the, the misery more than the joy, don't they? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the worst bomb that I remember that stayed with me for a while was Liverpool. Um, I had, before moving back mm. from New Zealand, I'd done the Adelaide Fringe. Yeah. And I did well at a gig somewhere and someone gives me a card and says hey you should come and do my gig and it was baby blue in liverpool oh great yeah i'll book it in when i come home can't wait and then i drive all the way up there and it's a long bloody way from where i'm living i'm sort of near Surbiton, chessington around there so it's a, mm-hmm. a, a good trek yeah i get up there and oh they hated me <laughs> <laughs> i just remember thinking what and there's the group of like elderly ladies in the front and i remember during a particularly silent moment one of them just looked up and went you're a dirty bed <laughs> <laughs> just being like oh my god and i came off stage and i felt like shell shocked because i was like what just happened and i was at the back <laughs> and even worse i'd offered like a friend of mine he was going to get the megabus home and he knew i was driving and he's like hey can i jump in the car with you Split the fuel. I said, yeah, I'm like, I've got, after a bomb, I'm going to have to sit there with someone else who's done better and just feel like a right twat. And uh, I remember standing at the back of the room 
just processing it, thinking, oh, my God, and knowing I've got the long drive ahead. And then this couple were sitting at the back, and one of them, he went, excuse me. And I was like, oh, no, what are they going to say? Are they going to tell me I was diabolical or something? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he went, we just wanted to say, we thought you were really good. I don't know what's going on. And I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, my, I'm so – and this is what I mean about when people say something to you after a gig. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, thank God. Like, I was like, I'm not nuts, am I? Was it as bad as I thought it was? And just that, just someone saying something nice <laughs> yeah. was the difference between me, like, Googling rope <laughs> on the way home and just being like, I should quit immediately. This is terrible. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I I still think I've not been back. <laughs> I'm, wow. I'm due to go back later this year, but it was a long time ago, and I was like, I'm going to avoid Liverpool for a while after that. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about being in the car home. Do you share horror stories with other comics about oh, venues yeah. or what have you? Oh yeah, we love it. I mean, it's, I think it's <laughs> quite like a bonding thing mm. as well. Like if one of your friends comes up to you and goes, "Oh my god, I absolutely died on my hole last night." <laughs> Everybody wants to know that. Oh, well, what happened? Where was it? And I think because it gets boring if someone's like, "Ah, oh, smashed it last night." Yeah, oh, great. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know. We all have good gigs, but it's the bad ones where you go, because it's almost like, well, how bad was it? You know, what happened? <laughs> like, I just heard about a gig recently, and I've not had a chance to check in and hear if this is, I'm sure it's probably true. But um, a fight broke out at a gig, and I'm, <laughs> I really should check this before I talk about it, but I think... <laughs> I think Phil Nichol was on stage and while they were fighting, he started playing country music on his guitar. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like narrating it or something. And I'm like, I wish I'd been at that one. You know, like that sounds hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, there are there are fun stories that go around and I can't wait to catch up with him and ask him about that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we do. We love to share those because they're just, more entertaining the expectation really is that it'll go well you yeah. know they've come out for a laugh you do your thing everyone has a good time and goes home but yeah the ones where it goes <laughs> where it goes bad <laughs> oh it's, a, it's just a little bit of joy and you have to share you know you gotta you gotta give give your bad ones as well yeah. yeah what are the most important lessons you think you've learned what are the things that you take with you from show to show and you know i must do this i mustn't do that if you're the MC, do a sound check. Absolutely. <laughs> 100% do a sound check because there's nothing worse than just strolling up and starting the show and it's like, oh, no, this is terrible. So <laughs> make sure you're there in good time. I think it's horrible to be running late, stuck in traffic and getting a, you know, yeah, getting a sweat on and then freaking out the other people because you haven't arrived. <laughs> I would say, hmm, what else? There's so much. I mean, there's 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 so <laughs> there's so much you need to know as a beginner to learn. Watch all you can and record your shows. Watch your recordings back. Don't just take audio. Yeah. Watch the footage. You might just see that you're doing something weird with your arm that you didn't know, and you won't pick that up on audio only. <laughs> I would say people talk a lot about, oh, write every day, write every day. Work on your performance. Yeah. A lot of people just think, oh, if I just sit and write jokes all day. But if you stand there and drill it out like a speaking spell, you might as well not be up there. So I think it's it's just as important to focus on performance. Watch a lot. Watch and learn from people. Watch how they do things. If you're serious about it and you really want to get good at it, mm -hmm. 
then I think that's hugely important. I feel like there was something else about the sound checking thing that I was going to say, but I can't quite remember. Um, oh, that was it. <laughs> because the gig last night, they had a radio mic. For the love of God, if you or anyone you know is running a comedy night, I swear to God, please don't use radio mics. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. It's the single most important piece of kit. Get proper microphone. I'm not sponsored by Shure, but I wish I was because the amount of times I go around and say, get a Shure SM58 and a cable. <laughs> the batteries won't run out on a goddamn cable, but the number of times, just crap equipment. It really annoys me. If you don't have a mic stand, that's fine. I can live with that. But don't neglect things like the lighting yeah. and the sound, because if you get those elements right, the axe can do their thing, yeah. but that is, it will be on my tombstone. I swear <laughs> to God, I always bitch about, is there a spotlight? Because I've run gigs myself. And I think if you get those bits right, it's a nice environment for the axe to come in and, and do their thing. Yeah. Uh, I recommend having a vibrating watch so that you can time yourself. Yeah. Don't overrun. Um, have a chat with the MC before you go on and figure out if you need a light or what, because if you overrun, it's kind of annoying for everybody. Um, I've always got a, a buzzy watch that I set so that I know when to when to wind up. But yeah, gig as much as you can. Yeah, make good friends in in comedy. You know, get to know other acts. See if you can meet someone you can write with, mm -hmm. or if you're lucky enough to get a mentor. I think that really helps. Yeah. So yeah, there's loads. <laughs> there's loads <laughs> stuff that I wish I'd known in the beginning. Tons. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What's your interest in all of this? Have you ever done stand up yourself? Uh, I'm. No. I mean, you're asking all these questions. You must know loads to be able to get up and do it yourself by now. Well, yeah, I don't have the brass. I don't think uh, I, I had a stab at it a long time ago, um, a long, yeah. long about 30 years ago. Um, and I used to be in a, a comedy band. So uh -huh. I had the safety of having an instrument in front of me or lots of props and activity going on. So it wasn't real about yeah. me. And I don't think I can handle the focus. Weirdly, I'm not an attention seeker. That's, that's <laughs> not uncommon though. Lots of, lots of acts off stage are quite shy. It's, um, yeah, I'd say if you think, Oh, I never could, you can, it's not, it's, you know, I think you only ever, you've obviously been on stage before, but you only ever have a first gig once. And once you get that one out of the way, you've done it. So if it's not for yeah. you, it's not for you, but you certainly know a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> well, never say never. There you go. But uh, some people start their comedy career in their seventies, so they really do. That's what I like about it. You know, it's it is one of those things that if you were in sport or many other industries where oh, you've got to be you know young and fit and in your prime, comedy doesn't matter. You can do it at any age. So I quite like that about it. I think seeing that Joan Rivers was still gigging in her eighties is quite inspiring. Yeah. Are you taking a show to Edinburgh this year? I am. I am, yeah. I, I generally try and go every year if I can. I'm one of those mm -hmm. horribly lucky people that has friends who live in Edinburgh and they have a spare room and they're kind enough to let me stay with them. Shout out Gordon and Taryn Lundy very much. <laughs> Thank you for letting me stay every year. Um, and when I know that people are just having to sell kidneys to pay for accommodation in Edinburgh, yeah. you know, so... I do, yeah. I try and go every year, and I'm going to go this year. I'm I'm booked in. Do you know yet what your show is about? I know my mum is going to feature quite heavily in it. Um, <laughs> yes, there's going to be lots in it about her. She's quite a character, um, but it, I'm still sort of moulding it yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah, 
but it's funny the things they say about oh you really do turn into your parents as you get older <laughs> and what of those traits am I keen to keep and shake off <laughs> yeah so how can we find out about you how can we find out where you're gigging I'm pretty all over the internet if you put Stella Graham into Google I've got the dot com web address I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Stella Graham um I think Facebook it's Stella Graham comedian so uh, I used to work in um tech as the kids call it it was IT <laughs> in my days so I made sure to like register Telegram, yeah Instagram Twitter all of those things mm-hmm. telegram.com if you yeah I think I'm on yeah I have TikTok as well there's so many things <laughs> <laughs> and YouTube so yeah you should you should be able to find me on any of those okay what have you got coming up so I think I've got a trip to Amsterdam next week um this weekend, where am I? I'm flying up to Edinburgh and Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And then I'm off to Amsterdam later this month. Following month, I'm going to do some gigs in Sweden and Norway, which I've never done before. Yeah. I've never gigged in Amsterdam before. So <laughs> that should be quite exciting. I'm really, yeah, the travel side of things is really fun. More of the same, really, just gigging, writing, traveling. It's yeah. all good. So finally, then, Stella, can you please sum up for me what for you is comedy in a nutshell? What for me is comedy in a nutshell? Oh, I mean, <laughs> comedy or stand-up comedy, because that's so broad. Well, it's for you to interpret however you wish. Okay, okay. Comedy in a nutshell, I think, is something we need, because without it, life would be so boring. If you didn't find extra things to laugh about in life, mm-hmm. if we didn't have... I love the fact that stand-up is my my world. I know there's lots of other forms, but the one I'm mostly interested in is stand-up. Mm-hmm. I love the fact, and I'm I'm saying this hot off a gig last night when they were just bonkers. This was just a, a Wednesday and they were nuts. <laughs> there's something so fun about being in the room. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm not on stage, I can be watching another act absolutely murdering. And I get the fun of laughing at the joke that I've just heard. And then the fun of looking at people in the room howling. And there's something so enjoyable about that feeling. Like I see people laughing and turning and looking at their friends laughing. And I think being in that live environment is so, so fun. that I think that's the joy of it, isn't it? It's sort of shared laughter, being able to laugh when, when all kinds of shit is going on in the world, still finding stuff that you can laugh about and the, and the joy that that brings and the endorphins and everything that, yeah, that for me is comedy in a nutshell. Perfect. Thank you so much for being with me today. I've really, really appreciated it. Not at all. Thank you for uh, for having me on. It's been a it's been a real joy chatting to you, Mark. Thank you.